1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code
0: LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest and most confident self. Today on the Calm With You podcast, I'm talking to Shakira Akabusi. Shakira is a personal trainer and she's the founder of Strong Like Mum. We chat about the pressure on mums and why she founded Strong Like Mum. Shakira shares her experience of OCD and anxiety and the things that helped her the most. And she also shares her experience of having hypnotherapy with me, which I think you'll find interesting as well. And she talks about how to stay fit when you're busy. And Shakira is a mom of four, including basically newborn twins. So she knows a thing or two about how to uh, cope when you're busy. So this is definitely advice I think that we all need. So I wanted to let you know about something exciting that I have coming up. You may or may not know that I have, the last little while, been coaching and mentoring people who have kind of similar businesses uh, as me, or maybe you want to have a similar business. So, if you're currently a coach, a psychologist, maybe you're a hypnotherapist, a healer, a meditation teacher, nutritionist, and you're currently seeing clients one on one, but you'd love to expand your private practice and help more people and take your business online, I'm running a free workshop. It's taking place on the 22nd of March. And if you can't join live, you can get the replay. And the workshop is called The Three Simple Strategies to Expand Your Private Practice into an Online Business. And in this free workshop, I'm going to be sharing the three steps to go from overwhelmed and full of self-doubt a confident business owner serving a bigger community. I'm going to teach you the simple trick to stopping self-sabotage and growing your confidence. And you're going to discover the exact next steps that you need to take to move yourself forwards. And I'll also be sharing a group hypnotherapy session to start making your dream online business a reality. So if you love to join me in this free workshop, head on over to karma-u.com forward slash workshop so just the the letter b and then workshop all one word so that's karma com forward slash b workshop so let's
2: get into the interview with Shakira Akabusi welcome Shakira thank you so much for joining me how are you doing today yeah good thank you
1: thanks so much for having me on
2: can you share a little bit about what it is that you do and how you how you got to where you are today
1: yeah, so gosh, what do I do? I mean, first and foremost, I'm a mother of four. <laughs> so that is a lot of what I do. But then I also I specialise in pre and postnatal exercise and rehabilitation postnatally. So I work a lot with women during their pregnancy and afterwards. And for me it's sort of a combination approach of working on their physical well being but also their mental health. And the two really go hand in hand. I work a lot across social media, but also then on a one-on-one basis prior to the lockdown that we're currently
2: in yeah and your work seems amazing and i've followed you for quite a while now i think we met at uh at the adidas uh That's studio it. uh maybe yeah. like four years ago or something and yeah. uh, we've kept in touch since and it's amazing seeing yeah the stuff you're doing on social media and how much engagement you're getting and how people are really resonating with the important message that you're sharing um can you share a bit about what strong like mom is about
1: Yes, The Struggle Mum is an online campaign that I founded, and it's sort of developed from there into more of a method. And it is, again, as I said, it's primarily it's pre and postnatal exercise based, but certainly with that mental health aspect, that whole holistic approach to overall wellness. And it's a lot about staying connected to your body during and after pregnancy, but also how to feel empowered through living a healthy lifestyle as a mum. So you know, whether that be inspiring the next generation to keep active, but also, you know, there's so many changes that happen in our body with our hormones, physical changes, you know, so many things that go on as we become a mum. And I just decided to kind of document that journey in a really open and honest way. And I think a lot of women resonated with that and sharing you know, sharing the successes and everything that's, that's so amazing and brilliant about motherhood, but also the challenges that many, many, many women encounter. Um, for me, I find maintaining a healthy lifestyle a way of feeling empowered throughout that process. And so it's my goal to hopefully inspire other women to to feel the same.
2: Yeah, because I suppose there's so much pressure on mums. I mean, obviously, I'm not a mum myself. I hope to be some point in the near future we'll see but it seems like the pressure is just incredible to be I mean can you talk a little bit about the sorts of pressures that people are under what people are struggling with
1: yeah I mean it's always interesting because to me it depends what day you catch me on how I would answer a question like that certainly at the moment I mean I think everybody is feeling the increased pressure of just the way the world is at the moment but for me as a, as a mum, I sometimes feel really overwhelmed with the weight of responsibility and, and, and not necessarily even the responsibility, but it is so all because, you know, it, it is my life and I want to do my best. And, you know, most mothers out there, we're going to want to do our best for our children, but you're learning as you go. It's a completely new experience. So it's not something that, you know, you can read loads of textbooks about and then you go and take an exam and you're ready you become a mum and every day that my oldest son gets older, I'm learning with him and I make mistakes and I have to learn on the go. And that can be feel quite overwhelming often. I feel like there is a lot of pressures as well currently in society from women from, you know, now just a mum in inverted commas has become It has become its own label. You're just a mum. So often women feel that they need to be a mum and a this, or you know, there's there's no excuse now. You can do anything at any time of the day. There's email on your phone 24-7. Why are you not doing this or that? And you know, so there's so many different pressures coming from all different sources, and it can be quite overwhelming, actually. I found I always say that when my son was born, my first son. It wasn't, the love that I had for him did not come as a surprise. I expected that. Everyone had always said, you're going to love this baby and oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. And so I loved him and I knew that I wouldn't expect that I would. But I did not expect how protective I would feel over this life. And I felt really overwhelmed by that. I mean, we've worked together in the past. In terms of my anxiety, and it could be anything from you know flying to to anything. I felt so totally, you know, responsible for this human that I found that quite an overpowering emotion. And I've learned through the years of working with you and with other people how to actually approach the situation in a more positive way. And it has been life changing. And I'm I have a much more positive parenting experience for that. That for me, it was you know, quite a challenge.
2: That's something that I, I've heard a lot from parents about, well, mostly mums because I mostly work with women, but that responsibility and the fears that they thought that they never had before kind of come to the surface because, I don't know, it, the stakes are higher. You've got more to lose. You know, maybe you're more safety conscious. You know, some people may be more safety conscious after having children because, because of that fear. Can you share a bit more about the sorts of anxieties and what what you've dealt with in your life? And I know you've experienced things like OCD as well.
1: Yeah, so I had OCD on and off. Like Now, in hindsight, I can pick up times where it was maybe present in my later teenage years, but it wasn't something that really controlled me. I certainly had a handle on it. And it was more, I would call that bad habits as I became, when I went through my first pregnancy and became a parent, as I said, I sort of felt that overwhelming responsibility that boosted my anxiety and my outlet was OCD. That was like my coping strategy and it helped me cope. And the weird thing about OCD is that although in the long term, over the many, many, many years, I mean, I've, my eldest son is six and pro- probably the last year I've been in a really good place, but that, that you know, there was a strong five six maybe that pregnancy year period where it certainly controlled me and the the interesting thing with OCD is that although in the long term it certainly has negative effects in the moment in the right there it solves everything so as much as I would feel oh my gosh you know something wrong something could go wrong something could go wrong to me if I went tap 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 three times I felt instantly. Okay, I've done something to make it better, you know, because you, you. I suddenly felt this sense of there's so much that I can't control, and I desperately want to be able to control it. And that was a way of me feeling as though I had a level of impact, which now I understand. Me tap tap tapping has no. Well, when I say it has no impact, the impact that it has is it put my myself on a more positive frequency in that moment. But overall, it became all consuming at my absolute worst, which I think is just before I got back in touch with you. I had to walk from Adidas runners from Liverpool street to from the base where they are to Liverpool street station, which is like a seven minute walk, something like that. It took me three hours to do that seven minutes because of the amount of tap, 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 tap. And it was about, well, Eight o'clock at night when I left there, so we're talking eleven o'clock at night. I finally got to the tube station, and then I still had to get on the train. And I lived like an hour outside town, so I wasn't getting home until like one o'clock in the morning because of all these different compulsions I felt I needed to do. It was a really, really scary, isolated feeling place to be. It was really quite scary. And you know, if anybody's listening who has experienced anything, you know, similar to that, I'm. I'm now so grateful for that experience because I always wished someone had said to me at the time, you can get better. I thought that there is no way I can ever live without this. It's going to be my life. But I absolutely, it is, I, I never do it. I never do it now.
2: That's such an important message because when, oh, I almost think it's, it's part of anxiety itself that will tell you, you're going to have this forever. You know, you can never change, you know, that's part of the anxiety itself. And it's such a common thing that I hear from people that they really believe that they can't change. That, you know, mm. That's just the way they are. or I'm just anxious or I've just had this OCD and nothing I can do about it. And actually, there are things we can do and, it, and things can change and we're always changing. And where we put our focus and attention, we can affect change within ourselves.
1: I always, um, I felt like, what ultimately made a massive difference when I was so wrapped up in all this anxiety, I felt like there was so much, my my brain was so full of whatever fear, anxiety, you know, pressure, stress, all these negative things. I could I didn't have the space to even try to cope, and so when I then came to see you and do some hypnotherapy, what was so great was that it just slowed things down enough for me to have the time to try to process, you know, it wasn't that it solved everything in an instant, but it slowed things down enough that I could make space and then learn to, you know, either rationalize certain thoughts or, you know, reduce the stress and reduce the anxiety. And And that was huge. It's also partly why I'm so passionate about what I do with exercise, because Exercise gives me that similar thing. So if I was in a period of time where I was feeling really anxious and I felt I needed to do all this tap, 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 tap. tap, If I could go for a run, when I was running, I wasn't tapping. I was just running. I wasn't stepping over cracks, wasn't it? I was just running, 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 running. And then when I would get home after half an hour, I'd be in a completely different place. And again, that gave me that space mentally to sort through my thoughts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exercise is so important. I've had a few guests on this podcast recently who've said, "Like exercise is the thing I have to do every day. It's a non-negotiable thing because it just calms my nervous system down. It calms my head down, and then I can, yeah, think more clearly and and have more choice about how to respond to things." And yeah, even from my in my own life, I've been trying to do some exercise every single day, even if it's like ten minutes of. Like doing some press ups in the in the garden or just yeah, something tiny to move and to calm my mind down. So so
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a lot. I have sort of like a, a ten minute thing that I wake up because when I wake up in the morning I've just had twins and the twins are always happy when they first wake up in the morning and they you know, they wake up but they're happy just sort of chatting around. So I have them on my bed, both of the twins, and I just do a ten minute movement, just anything, you know, I might jump on the spot. I might, if I am outside earlier in the morning, I might skip or I might, you know, anything, like you said, it can be press-ups if you want, but it it can be dancing around. It can be anything. I just move my body and I, it gives me a better start to the day. I remember growing up, my mum would always say to me, (laughs) whenever anything was wrong, she'd say, you need water, fresh air and exercise. And I felt, oh gosh, like this is ridiculous. Like, you know, I'd say, I've I've broken my leg and she'd be like, water, fresh air and exercise. And it was always what she said. I was like, that's ridiculous. That just, it can't, it can't just be that simple. But it really is, you know, now that I'm older, I understand the true, true value of simple things and everything that we need. That People feel like they need a million different things to cope, whether that's um, coffee or cigarettes or, you know, anything. Whereas I now understand that planet Earth has everything that we need to, to cope, you know, in a holistic way. It, it is literally there. If, I, if my children are arguing or in a bad mood, if I take them outside, I just need to put them in the garden. They are instantly better. And it seriously works. All this simple stuff really has a very real impact.
2: I love that. I love that. I would add to that list food, though, as well, because... Sometimes you need food. Yeah, Uh low blood sugar situation. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hundred percent. So
2: yeah, whenever my boyfriend's in a bad mood, I would say to him, "Are you hungry or are you thirsty?" It's always one of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my husband's like that, actually, if he doesn't eat, he gets in quite a bad mood, and he's also like a a fancy eater. If it's not going to be really good, he he doesn't want it. You know, he doesn't just. I can be like, oh, I'm just going to grab you know, this, put a bit of butter on it and I'll, just, I'll go and at least I've had something. Whereas he's like, no, I need a lunchtime to make a lunch. It needs to be something really good that I want to eat in order to make it worth it.
2: Love it. Love it. Can you share a bit more about the sorts of things you tried when you were feeling anxious or when you were experiencing that OCD? And were there other things that helped you? Were there things that you tried that didn't, didn't work? Or yeah, can you share a bit more about that journey?
1: Yeah, so absolutely. I'm so happy you asked that. And I so want to share how I ended up coping because I'm in such a different place now. So one of the things that I did was go to see you. And as I said before, what the hypnotherapy gave me, and I was fairly sceptical about that, but it really worked. It was just, and I said, it wasn't that it solved everything instantly, but it quietened the anxiety thoughts enough for me to be able to even begin considering that I'm going to maybe be able to get better because I really didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I actually remember going to see you once and I was walking on my way to to come to see you and I was doing my OCD and builder or something, there was like a group of men behind me. I think they were builders or working on a thing and they were walking behind me
2: and they were like, what is she doing? And they were like, she's crazy, this one.
1: And I remember just, I was just crying my eyes out because I was like, I'm already struggling so much. And I know that I look crazy, but I don't know how else to cope. And, uh, you know, so as I said before, it was a really difficult place, but with the hypnotherapy, it gave me that, it slowed the thoughts enough for me to get to, to process the possibility of coping. Um, another thing that I did at the same time was I worked with a therapist who actually was, you know, came through the NHS. So I, I tried a million different types of therapies, talk therapies, CBT, all different types of therapies that hadn't worked. And I think it really is about finding the person that works with the type of person you are. So if you work with one person and it doesn't work, shouldn't be a reason to give up. I worked with this man, actually, he was a guy and i remember sitting down with him and he, what, within that first conversation he said to me you can't honestly believe it's true you can't honestly think that if you tap here then you're going to save people and i i looked at him and i was like i absolutely believe that if i didn't believe that i would not have spent the last how many years doing it. i i know how it sounds but i absolutely believe that and then he said to me, "Okay, I need to go away and think about that because I don't know if I can if I can work with you on that basis because this is not just a habit, you know." If you and I remember feeling really disappointed, and I came back to him the next time, he said, "Look, what I'm going to do is I am going to talk to you rather than talk about your anxieties and you know why you might have it and the ways in which you can cope. I'm going to talk to you about how the human brain works. I'm going to give you all the information as to why that." Is not going to make a difference. And he took me back, he he talked to me about worry and how the ability to worry is actually something that has kept humans alive for so long because we can perceive a threat. So whereas, you know, a lion or something might walk into the jungle and not realise the threat until the bear is staring it in the face. I don't know if you'd find those two animals in the jungle together, but you know. Um, But with humans, we can get to a, a dark alleyway And we can look down the alleyway and say, it's dark. I'm on my own. It's nighttime. There's a group of people down the bottom. I don't know them. I'm going to walk the long way around. And so, you know, to be able to perceive a threat and to worry about something has kept us alive. But then there's this whole new part of the brain that has developed where emotions and feelings can give you that same worry from a memory or a smell or which isn't actually present. And it's being able to distinguish the difference between your instinct telling you something and your anxiety telling you something. And that is a real skill. And that was a skill that I was lacking. And him, him telling me that, you know, some people that might not work, but for me, understanding the way my brain worked, He said to me that often people that are the most confident, creative, intelligent people can really suffer with something like OCD because It's being able to distinguish this fine line between, you know, they're so in tune with their emotions, but being able to distinguish that fine line between where anxiety starts and instinct begins. And so I did a lot of work with him then on that. And that, as I said, changed everything. So a combination of the the hypnotherapy slowing things down enough for me to then have a thought come in. And I would say to him, it was almost like a conveyor belt came through, you know, if I was standing at a conveyor belt and these thoughts would come in and some of them would be red hot batteries. Like, you know, the thought was so I so believed it. I was like, okay, I can't, I'm gonna to have to just da, 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 package that one up, send it on its way, do the OCD. But sometimes with the hypnotherapy, a thought would come along that was slightly less charged, and it would come along and I'd stand there and I think, okay, hang on a minute. Let me think about this one. My child has got a cough, yes, but I don't think that they are actually going to die. So I'm not going to do that OCD. And then the more of those thoughts I didn't do and nothing happened, the more confident I got when those red hot, full charge thoughts came along where I was like, actually, I'm going to challenge you. And it just took, you know, years really of practice of doing that to eventually now I can you know, it's so a thought comes in, and I either it either goes out. It's not that I don't get them, but they come in, and I can very quickly no, 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 oh maybe no, no, no. You know, so it's just it's a process.
2: Yeah, so so interesting to hear you to describe that. Is it almost that with ACD you had to learn that you could not do the the habit or the tapping, and learn that you were okay even though you didn't do it, and kind of learning that you survive, and then once you've done that, once you kind of challenge yourself to move through that, then the next time it, it might maybe gets a little bit easier and you can do that again and again.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, if anyone's experienced something similar, what was also then a challenge was if I did that, the thought, you know, as I said, the more I didn't do it, the easier it became to distinguish those thoughts. But if I sometimes would slip up and I'd have a thought come in and I would do it, it, you know, it did really trip me up. Then suddenly, I felt, you know, for example, I've got four children, and if something came in about my eldest son and I didn't do it, and then something came in about my youngest son and I did it, oh, suddenly all these complexes would come up. Oh my gosh, no, I've done it for him, haven't done it for him. What does that mean about how much I love him? How much? I love, and actually, I have to go. No, do you know what? You're learning. This is a process. It's got nothing to do with any rational thought of how you feel about this person, that person, this situation. Actually. You're learning, and actually, that was a mistake. And this is, it. you know, and I, and I also remind myself I'm a better mother, not doing it. My husband would always say to me, "If you want to be a good mother and you want to do what's best for your children, you don't do it because you, you know, I wouldn't want them to do it. I'm not a healthy person if I'm doing it, you know. And children need a healthy, happy caregiver in order to thrive. So for me, that was that is constantly my motivator.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like what you said, being able just to have that space to step back from your thoughts. You know, I often talk about it being like, you know, we're at the controls of our mind when we're able to do that, when we're able to be present and step back. And then we have a choice about how we respond to something rather than going into an old habit or an old pattern that might be not so helpful for us. And, you know, there's so many ways that we can create that space, whether it's exercise, whether it's hypnotherapy or meditation or being out in nature. But yeah, having those kind of practices and things that help us to get into that quieter space is so, so important. Yeah. One of the things I saw you talk about on your Instagram is mum rage. Can you share what that is? And yes. I am mean, sure there's all sorts of types of rage, you know, I have my own brand of rage, Aidan, <laughs> when he doesn't do his share of the tidying. but you know, can you share what, what mum rage is?
1: Yeah, to be honest, I'm so I'm no expert in this. So forgive me if anyone's listening goes, oh, that's not quite exactly right. But this is something that's very new that I'm learning about that I find just fascinating, and it is a a real uh, diagnosis. I'm not sure might be too strong a word, but it's a very real idea, concept, theory, you know, it's very real, specifically called mum rage. And it's all about, you know, the pressures that a mum can experience when they become either a new mother or a mother for a subsequent time, how much pressure that puts in, puts on to a mother. And there isn't necessarily that support network there in particular at the moment in lockdown, but I think still always, you know, and I I was having this conversation with my sister or my mum yesterday, my sister doesn't have children yet and i have got four and we were having this discussion and i was saying until i really became a mother i could not i really did not understand how much my mum invested i mean we all know well not all you know it depends on your relationship but many 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 people have an understanding for the fact that my gosh you know parents in total do so much for their children mothers you know do so much but really the depth to which not just the physical things she's doing but the emotional depth that she carries for her children I didn't get and I now get how invested she is in my well-being or or my life that's a lot to carry, you know. And many women have that with more children. And you're ca- you're carrying this all, constantly doing stuff for other people. Your whole motivation becomes to care for and raise a human. Whether that's you're breastfeeding, you've got someone on you. You're driving people to sports matches, school, this, that, and the other. You're doing homework. You're feeding them. You don't feed yourself. You do. You know all it, it's it, the list just goes on. All this pressure. But then there's not necessarily that support network for the mother. You are kind of the foundation. And that can at times then come out in irritation, anger, frustration, when there's so much coming at you, you know, the whole time. And, you know, toddlers, my my two-year-old is just so (laughs) challenging. He's got so much energy and it's just constant bump bump you know I wake up in the morning it's like question 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 from my oldest question 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 he's six da, 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 da. then the two year you know it's like I do not I don't want to put my socks on my socks are don't feel right my socks don't feel right okay well darling let me help you don't help me put my socks on but I help you put no I don't want to help put my socks on okay well then don't wear socks I need socks and I'm like, okay so in the end I throw the whole sock drawer, right there are your socks all over the floor and all of a sudden I realize I'm screaming I'm screaming at my two-year-old, who, you know, he, he's two, he doesn't get it. But all of a sudden, I'm like, fine, your socks, right? Yeah, throw your socks out the window then. Poof, they're gone. And and they're so shocked, you know. And and so it's it's that. That is kind of just a small example of, of mum rage. I also think, you know, depending on your dynamic with your partner, I find that difficult. If me and my partner are getting at each other for whatever reason. It becomes so much harder. Then I go downstairs and the kids going, When's lunch? When's lunch? When's lunch? And I'm like, oh, I haven't had a minute, but leave me alone. You know, it can be that simple a thing, and I'm screaming again. Or it can be something like, I say, Right, well, you know what? You need to give me a minute. And I go into the bedroom and I'm throwing my pillow on the bed, like you know, and I realize I don't actually know what's brought me to this point, but I'm feeling so I just, you know, just rises up and it explodes out. So That is an example
2: of mum rage. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a lot, and I can I only imagine that when you when you are holding so much and supporting other people all the time, and you know maybe you don't feel appreciated or you're not getting supported, you haven't got other family members near, or you know your partner's not supporting. For example, I can imagine how easy it must be to just, yeah. Feel that rage. Yeah, you you need
1: a you need a decompress. But you know when you fill up or or an airbed, you fill it up, and then you can unthing the clasp which goes and you can let some pressure out. But when you're a parent, especially with young children, day or night, the twins are up the whole time. So. I'm always on call. You know, it's, you wake up in the morning. Then the kids go to bed. Then you're washing the clothes, doing the dishes, getting the house ready for the next day. Maybe doing some work as you need to work at eleven o'clock at night because that's the only time to get through your emails. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Twins, wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! There's no time to decompress, and there is time to decompress. But the sorry, the message is to prioritize that time. There's so much around you know I I often hear from women about mum guilt which is another very well-known theory concept and it's really important that we get rid of that guilt because we almost see like by prioritizing the mother's well-being as meaning we're not prioritizing our children you're putting yourself first which really you shouldn't do as a mother you should put your children first but really the two go hand in hand if you don't you know put the oxygen mask on your, yourself before you help the the child. It, it, that is literally what we're talking about. You have got to prioritize your well-being in order to efficiently prioritize your children's well-being. So for me, saying, "Do you know what? I actually have to go for this run." It doesn't have to be a run. It can be I need to sit down and watch TV for half an hour without anyone talking to me. Whatever that is, it's actually so vital that that becomes a priority so that you have that ability to decompress, so that you can cope with
2: more. Mm, Yeah, that's such a, that's a message I think we constantly need reminding of again and again, you know, whether you're you're a mum or a parent or not, I think to take care of yourself and to make that a priority and to have that time to decompress, as you say. But yeah, I think just need that constant reminder. And someone was telling who I was talking this about recently about how like being a parent is like the ultimate in personal development like you learn you seem to learn so much like patience like unconditional love like um, (laughs) it's the ultimate Um, personal development like don't read any more self-help books just um, have
1: have a baby (laughs) no but honestly it is exactly that I have learned more about myself and also others as a parent you know helping a child grow up I was the youngest so I've never really seen anyone grow up before but seeing a child grow up and seeing how they learn emotions and trying to teach them to process emotions allows you to really evaluate how you yourself process your emotions
2: yeah yeah that's so interesting I look forward to that one day hopefully (laughs) (laughs) um Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Anything else you'd like to, as like a final message that you'd want to send people listening who maybe resonated with the things that you've said? Any advice that you have to give? I think, I guess the
1: two things that pop into my mind is the first one, I said it at the beginning, but I just really want to reiterate it. If you are struggling, it doesn't need to be the same as my story, but you can get Help the way that I struggled with my OCD. It doesn't need to be that. It could be alcohol abuse. It could be, you know, anything that you're struggling with, but it is possible to get better. You you absolutely can, you know, and for anyone who is specifically dealing with OCD, I remember someone messaging me on Instagram about this once and I wrote back to and I said, look, I will tell you nothing will happen if you stop. Nothing is going to happen because you stop your compulsions you, I've absolutely stopped them and nothing bad has happened. And I wish someone had said that to me at the time. And it's about getting the information in the way that you need it. You know, I needed to understand the scientifics behind why my brain felt that it needed to behave in this way. And then I was able to cope with it. Um, so that would be the first thing. And the second thing would be if we're talking about exercise and stress or anxiety, I remember hearing someone talk and it was just fascinating. And she was saying, you know, people, if they are, she was talking about stress. And this was, in this context, she was actually talking about weight loss goals for fitness. And she was saying that, you know, she will have clients come to her saying, I don't understand. I'm, you know, I'm trying to burn body fat and I'm not losing any weight. And I'm, you know, I'm at the office. And then as soon as I leave the office, I'm going to the gym and I'm, or even worse than that, I wake up in the morning, I go for a run, I go to work, I work when I finish work, I go to the gym, I do a session, then I do a cycle class, then I'm going home. I'm, you know, eating, I'm, I'm doing a bit more work, sleeping, waking up and I'm doing this, that and the other again. And the woman was like, why am I, you know, I don't understand why, you know, I'm doing all of this. And actually, she was saying that what's so important is in the animal kingdom, the reason we would have felt stress is because it releases glucose into your system and then you can run away from a threat. So if a lion gets stressed, it can run for hours. It just runs, 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 runs. runs. Whereas humans now, we're getting that same stress, that same release of glucose into our system, but we're not burning it off because we're sat at a desk getting stressed with all the emails that are coming in. And if we have that amount of stress the last thing you need to do is go for a run or go to the gym and go to a cycle class and add more stress onto your body. What you actually need to do is sit down on the couch and rest or go to a yoga class or meditate because what your body needs is to reduce the stress. And you'd see many more benefits from your exercise by reducing the stress than you would if you were over stressing. So I guess the message from that would be that if you're feeling stressed, I'm super passionate about exercise. Absolutely. But rest and recovery is equally as important. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to always, the focus doesn't need to be about you know, this hard hit training, pow, boom, get it. Blah, blah, blah. You need to focus on de-stressing in, in a way that's going to help your body rest and recover. And then it can work more efficiently. That would kind of be just just the other the message. Yeah,
2: that's brilliant. That's so helpful. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you so much for everything you've shared. Brilliant. Where can people find out more about you and what you're what you're up to?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Shakira.akabusi, or you can just search the hashtag strong like Mum, which is what I talk about, where I just share the message of sort of shattering the stereotypes around motherhood. And I offer advice on pre and postnatal wellness and recovery, but also that mental approach and how to feel Empowered physically and mentally through motherhood. So learning to, you know, anything from body image and learning to love your body to coping with the stress of parenting and being able to, you know, for me, it's so important that women feel and acknowledge that they can be just as, you know, driven powerful, strong, sexy, anything as a mother as they were before. And that is what Strong Like Mum is all about. So if you're interested in that, you can search the hashtag Strong Like Mum or find me at Shakira.Akabusi. The website is www.stronglikemum.com. And there's loads of exciting things going on this year, some of which I can't talk about yet, but I will be sharing really soon. And I'm really excited to get that that off the ground.
2: Awesome. And I love your Instagram for the workouts that you share and how you incorporate your children into the workouts—I um, don't know joy's there everywhere. just like <laughs> you know, it gives me inspiration just to use whatever I can around the house in, uh, <laughs> to try and work out without my gym. Gym's up here, but yeah, you can definitely follow your on Instagram. that oh, thank you so much! Yeah. Amazing, thank you so much.
0: You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmau.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram i'm hanging out there every day you can find me at chloe brotheridge let me know what you thought of this episode and please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today so i'm sending you loads of love and i hope you have a brilliant week ahead hey it's Paige Desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince